Welcome back to Your Average Witch, where we talk about witch life, witch stories, and sometimes a little witchcraft on the full and new moon every month. In this episode, I talk to Tanya Brown, editor of Witchway Magazine, host of the Witch Daily Show podcast, founder of Witchway Publishing, and author of The Door to Witchcraft. Tanya tells us about how she created the magazine, her concerns about how social media is driving information, and explains the true meaning behind the word familiar. Now let's get to the stories. Hi, Tanya. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Would you please introduce yourself and let everybody know who you are and what you do and where they can find you? Yes. Uh, So my name is Tanya Brown. I am the editor-in-chief of Witchway Magazine, Witchway Publishing, and I also host a daily witch podcast called The Witch Daily Show. And yeah, that's me. That's what I do. Actually, when you first started that podcast, (laughs) you took one of my stories. (laughs) Did I? Yeah. Oh, my God. It was okay. <laughs> uh, I set off all, I, yeah, because I think you said, tell me something dumb that you've done. So, <laughs> or oh, something of the equivalent. Witch fails. Oh, I love and, witch fails. Yeah, and I had a cheap dollar store candle set off my, all the fire alarms in the entire house because I didn't know they were wired and I couldn't turn it off. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, flammable failures. It, it became it's, a trend. It was like 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> My husband was like, why do you exist? <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. Oh, my gosh. Are you on Instagram or anything like that? Yes. So our Instagram is Witchway Magazine on TikTok, but not really. Uh, Witchway Magazine or Witchway Mag, probably Witchway Magazine. Um, so, yeah, that's really it. And... We do have a podcast Facebook group and a Which Way uh, subscriber Facebook group, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, your your magazine is basically the only one I've been subscribed to since I found it. It's like the only Which magazine that I subscribe to. That's so nice. And so when you said you would be on the show, I was feeling very fancy and excited. <laughs> well, I'm very excited because like, I interview people all the time and like, it's fun to be on the other side of it. Yeah, because you don't have to think. Yeah. But then now I get to <laughs> – I like it because I don't have to talk and you talk about everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. and that not, it, Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun little switch. So what made you decide to start a magazine? Oh, gosh. So it was actually really a weird experience, but – I essentially had quit my job. I had been in the same kind of soul-sucking, does this hurt the world, like office job for years. And I was getting all of these signs that were so hard to miss telling me to quit. And being very logical, I was like, well, you, you, you can't quit a job unless you have a job ready because that's like the rules. Um, But I was just getting hit over the head harder and harder with these signs to quit. And I did. So, but I quit with no real backup. And it literally all came down to a single day where I was like, I need a job by this day or my life's gonna implode. And I had like that big moment with the universe where I'm like, I have had true faith, true faith, 
that more faith than most people who claim to have faith have, you know, has had. And I need you to like do your part in this. I did my part. I need you to do your part. And like that day, everything fell into place. I got the apartment. I got the job. I got the this and the that. But in like the in-between, I was on a friend's couch, you know, staying on a friend's couch because I had to get out of a bad living situation. And I'm an Aries, so I love a project, but I never intend for the project to go anywhere. So I was like, well, it would be really fun to start a magazine because I was actually working at the library and the library had magazines on everything. They had beads and cats and boats. And it's like, there was a magazine on anything. And I was like, oh, how fun would it be to have a witch magazine? Literally thinking I would do one issue and I would get bored and I'd move on. And then here, here we are seven years later. Holy crap. It's crazy. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know. Um, and I really stepped into the witch world being very unaware, even though I had been a witch like since I was a young teenager. Um, so I was very familiar with witchcraft. I was very unfamiliar with the witch social world, um, much less the online witch social world. So I was like stepping into this world, like, you know, like the fool in tarot, just like flouncing around, having myself a great time, not knowing (laughs) that like there's this whole world. And like, that was really weird and surreal. I feel like you were coming in right when it started to, when witchcraft started to really get big, maybe a little bit before. Do you agree? Yeah, I think, yeah, because, you know, we've seen over the years, the ebbs and flows of witchcraft and popularity. And I think we had a little bit of an upward momentum in that moment but it was nothing like what's happening now. Like it was kind of on the rise, I think, when I started. Um, but now, just like with the internet, uh, it's so much on an upward trend. It's really crazy. Well, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's wild. Now, what does it mean when you call yourself a witch? Oh, fun. So I like everyone has such different connotations with the word. And I typically give the word any meaning anyone wants to give it because, you know, language is a living thing. For me personally, I'm a witch because I practice witchcraft, because I practice spell work, because I try to um, create change uh, using tools And I also have a spiritual side to it where I try to be an agent of positivity within the universe. I do think that's how my journey started as an adult within witchcraft anyways. So I don't think everyone has to have all those things. But for me, there was this spirituality side of it. And that meaning that when you become very aware of how the world is interconnected, and how the universe works, it is impossible to unsee it. And it's hard to deny the beautiful 
magic all around us once you tap into that. So I do think it is like this kind of mix of practice and spirituality, but how each of us define that I think is extremely personal. I it's I think it's interesting that you said good in the universe because I've not always, but when I have <laughs> when I thought about it, I always say um that I choose to align myself with the side I interpret as good mm-hmm. because everybody thinks they're on the right side. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, what I mean, yeah. So when I mean good, I mean um, making choices that I feel are for the, that I feel are helpful. You know, even though, of course, it may not always pan out that way, but that's why, like, I don't get too hung up when people are like, but what if I do this spell and it doesn't, you know, when it does X, Y, and Z. And usually I say, as long as you are making choices from the purest of your intention, you don't have to worry too much because you're trying to do the right thing. I agree. Now, you said you've been a witch for a while. Have you always been? How Do you have any family history with witchcraft? Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> I was actually just talking about this to someone last night. Um, yeah, I, I'm – well, sort of. So my great aunt was Wiccan, like the OG, you know, back in the day. Um, yeah, my family is weirdly, weirdly spiritual in a lot of fascinating ways. So I had a great aunt who was a Wiccan – I had like a great grandmother who had visions. I had a psychic aunt. I had family members who uh, were uh, a part of the 1970s San Francisco Satanist movement. So we were we were a very uh, let's dip our toe into stuff uh, type of people, and have been for like generations. But how we define witchcraft uh, changes. I feel like. Every few decades. So maybe some of them would have been called a witch then, but maybe not now. But I definitely think I come from a very long line of uh, very spiritually curious people. Do you have any stories from childhood? Yeah. um, I've always been a ghosty gal. And I've basically have like seen ghosts my whole life. And I think that is a big part of my personal practice. Yeah, I remember my aunt has this story of like walking by my bedroom when I'm like, you know, when I was four years old and seeing me asleep, but like sitting up and reaching out towards somebody. I was an insane sleepwalker. I would have like intense conversations in my sleep. I would speak different languages in my sleep. I would, um, I was like unstoppable in my sleep. Yeah. uh, Like my mom has stories of just like as a, five to eight-year-old, like, having to drag me around because I just, like, could not <laughs> – she could not control me when I was asleep. So, Did you know the languages you were speaking? Well, I don't know. So I have so many different uh, witness accounts growing up um, from it. So I've had – so, like, my mom would say, yeah, just, like, just – but, like, not knowing – like, no one has been able to ever tell me, like – as a teenager, I would have friends, you know, at sleepovers who would be like, I don't know, you were like speaking to the devil or something because, you know, you're a teenager and you don't know. And then like in college, I would fall asleep in a common area and someone would wake me up going, you were speaking Spanish or something <laughs> like um, hmm. so, um, I so I tend to warn people now, like anyone I could possibly like, I don't think it's happened a lot to me as an adult, but I've warned people who I could fall asleep around. I'm like, just so you know, like. 
I've been known to do these things. Just let me know or, you know, wake me up or whatever. Huh. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I mean, I don't know if it's inherently witchy. It could be like a a, a neurological issue, but uh, I don't know. I've always been ghosty. And then all of that paired with like, um, you know, I'm a medium and uh, spirits are a big part of my practice. Like, I don't know if it's all connected, but it just would feel weird if it wasn't connected. Okay, so, so far, everything's filling me with envy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't necessarily want a bunch of ghosts all up in my business all the time, but I mean, it would be interesting to maybe run across one. (laughs) Yeah, I was uh, talking. Spirits, yeah. I I was talking to someone recently, and I was on a friend of mine's podcast. She said, one of the things I like about you is you talk about ghosts like it it is no big deal. And like, you're so grounded about it. And I was like, yeah, because it's been going on since I was five. Like at some point it loses its excitement. Do do you have any daily practices that you'll share with us? Oh, so you know how there's people who are like, I really want to drink eight glasses of water a day. And yeah. like, that's like your adult goal. Like I have ideas <laughs> for daily practices that I wish I could, uh, that I wish I could do, but not so much. I, when I was learning how to kind of tap into like my mediumship abilities, I would do daily meditations just to learn how to, um, work my mind. But then like, once I learned it, I kind of moved on. So I don't, but I should. So it's definitely, um, don't do as I do, do as I say. (laughs) Yeah, I know that life. (laughs) So guys, please have daily practices, but I don't have any. (laughs) Even if they're not daily, do you have any regular ones? Yeah. Like once a month, heal, whatever. Yes. Uh, So um, I used to do it like in conjunction with the full moon, not because I'm necessarily a moony gal, but because it was just an easy way to remember. But I liked to do this, like, it's like a four to six hour ritual. And I don't always do spell work within the ritual. Sometimes I just do the ritual to get that ritual. I call it like a high. It's not a high. It's you, it's you being in your ritual state, you know, in your euphoria. Uh, yeah, your euphoric state. So I'll do that once a month just to reach that state and have like a, just my own space, and, and, you know. And sometimes if I have anything in my life where I'm like, oh, I should do a spell for that, even though I'm not – I do spell work like a few times a year. I'm big, like don't cry wolf type of person. So if I want to do spell work, I do it at that time when I'm within the ritual. But sometimes I just do the ritual for my own kind of self-care, witchy pipes thing. So are you not a daily magic sort of person? I'm not. I am not. And I feel like when I started, I was. And I feel like – and that's the thing is I feel like when you start out – and you're trying to carve out your talents and your skills, there's a lot of stuff to try, right? A lot of stuff to figure out, a lot of stuff to try. So I was back then, but now that I like, I know what I'm good at. I know when to use it. I know when to pull it out. I know like I, I've gotten to a point now where I feel so seasoned that I know when to do these things or when to use these things. And not that I think you can waste that energy. I like to just really, really conserve it for when I need it. 
Um, but that being said, because I have been doing this for so long and it is a big part of my life, there are probably things that I do every day that just feel like a normal part of my life that are probably witchy and I just don't see it anymore. Okay, I'm having an epiphany. <laughs> Because I've been feeling guilty because I don't do things every day. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but you know how you know, though, is when you're around, like, super, super duper normal people and you're like, ooh, I'm weird. That's how I feel. Like, you know, you're like, it's it's embedded. I'm not around anyone anymore. I don't leave my house. <laughs> right. I uh, I don't want to either. But <laughs> I do know what you mean. <laughs> Would you say that witchcraft has changed your life? Yeah, 100%. I feel like it gave me a purpose. Even though uh, personality-wise, I think I always would have found a purpose because I'm just a very goal-oriented person. But yeah, it yeah, it it gave me it brought me to the steps that I am now and I can't imagine not being where I am now, if that makes sense. Do you think it's had any negative consequences or effect? Big ones? No. For me, no. I do sometimes have those thoughts though, where I'm like, if I had taken all of this energy and placed it elsewhere, would that have been better? But I think we all have those thoughts throughout life. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) But big ways, no. No. Mm-mm. But I will say also, I'm very privileged. I come from a family who, um, like I said, we've always been very spiritually curious for generations upon generations. So um, you come out as a witch and someone goes, yeah, probably. And then like move <laughs> on. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I did not have to deal with the family judgment. I did not have to – like there's a lot I didn't have to deal with because of how I was raised. And I do understand that that is an immense privilege that not everyone gets. What would you say is your biggest motivator in your practice? Okay. So this is going to sound really silly because I was thinking about this last night. And one of my biggest motivators is – well, I guess there, it's twofold. So there is the spirituality of witchcraft, and then there's the practice. So spiritually, I I like that I feel like when I make thoughtful choices or I make choices that I feel like are in the goal of being an agent of, po- of positive movement, I feel like that does something for your – universal credit score. (laughs) And I tend to be someone, I tend to be someone where things just kind of work out for. And I do credit that. Yeah. I credit that to my spiritual practice and my practical practice, my actual witchcraft, which for me is very spirit based. I do sometimes uh, see like the fictional depictions of mediums. And I'm like, I need to get better at what I do because <laughs> I I, I want to be like that, you know? But I don't. I don't know where I'm getting that from. I don't want – but, you know, in, in the moment, you know, when you're like reading a book or – Wouldn't it be cool? That's yeah, yeah like, like I should put more effort into this. But then like, you know, the urge goes away. <laughs> and your life happens. You're like, maybe I don't have time for that. Yeah, I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. 
what do you most want out of your practice? Oh, this is going to sound so cliche, um, but uh, just happiness and peace. I'm at the point in my life. That should be everyone's answer. (laughs) I just want peace. I just want peace. Um, It's always been happiness, right? Because that is ideally what we all should want. And if that's not what we all want, then why? I think that is what we should all want overall, like very uh, general, you know, generalized. But with how the world has felt the past few years, I'm really anxious for peace, which is so cliche. I feel like if I heard myself say that at 20, I would just be like, oh, nerd, you know, <laughs> but, like, but I'm like, oh, you don't know. You don't know what, <laughs> how things are. You don't know what's coming. Just you wait. 2020 is going to punch you right in the face. <laughs> yep. So I, so I'll fantasize about like living in the middle of nowhere and just uh, being left alone. It is pretty great, I'll tell you. It's I'm not out in the middle, but I am pretty nowhere, and it's freaking amazing. <laughs> Do you ever feel like you have imposter syndrome? Oh gosh, yeah. Um, I what? Yeah, of course. I'll be like, why do people listen to me? Like, what? Like. <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> I'm like, why? Why? Um, and then, like, of course, like, I'll have those moments where I'm like, no, because you do read and you put in research and you look up primary sources. Like, I, I do put in the work. But at the same time, there's always those moments where you're like, yeah, I think it's healthy to have a a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like, you should doubt yourself a little bit or else, you you, you know, you never grow and you never strive to be a better version of yourself. But yes, I, I, I do. And I do try to combat that by, you know, taking classes, learning, reading from um, credible people, things like that. What would you say is your biggest struggle when it comes to witchcraft? Um, so I really, really struggle with misinformation. And I struggle with that because I do put so much effort into like studying and reading and things like that. And so when I see um, – and because I've just kind of been in the witch world, like not socially, but just like, you know, since the 90s, I've seen how information has changed and moved and how certain groups have facilitated misinformation. And it gets really, really frustrating. And then in the world of like social media and TikTok, like there was one meme that went viral like last Friday the 13th and it was like – just, it was just like it was just so wildly inaccurate just for like not even witchcraft but just how humans work um but it went insanely viral and i was like the people sharing this are people with bodies who knows who like knows this isn't true and so i think that's one of my biggest struggles is um knowing that it doesn't matter how much proof i put out there how much research i cite how much I stand on my little soapbox on my little podcast. Like I will never be able to put a dent in the viralness of uh, misinformation. You can put a dent in it. I try. <laughs> I try. We I try. Can. So we can. Hard. We can dent it. <laughs> I try. And if enough of us dent it. <laughs> yeah, shoot. I gotta have hope. <laughs> 
Yeah. And that is one good thing about social media is as, um, I mean, misinformation will always uh, circulate at a much higher account than accurate information. But uh, because of social media, because of like TikTok and stuff, we are getting good information circulating too, which is uh, also really cool. What would you say, do you have any long-term goals for your practice, but also I'm going to throw in also for your business? Um, yeah, for my practice, I do want to get to the point where, um, I, I know again, like super cliche, I do want to be like, you know, um, Aunt Frances and Aunt Jet from Practical Magic. Like I do dream of like being the wise witch ants, you know, and, yeah. uh, having like my godchildren and like, uh, you know, teaching them witchcraft. Like that is just something I dream of one day. Uh, For my business, I I do want our publishing branch to grow. We really just started it, but I think we have like nine books coming out next year. So I'm feeling pretty good about it. Yeah. So books. Um, I love books. I love being an editor because I love fact-checking things, uh, as you can probably guess. I really value putting out like good information. Yeah. What would you say brings you the most joy in your practice? Ooh, in my practice? Honestly, so this is going to sound a little strange. So my family, like there was a big part of my family, especially like my our, like European side, which we just knew nothing about. Like my mom had been um, disconnected from them for decades. So we didn't know anything about them. We didn't even really, even though I think my grandmother was like first generation, we didn't even really know which country we were from because we just had, there was just such a disconnect. But there was a really cool thing that happened once. It was around season of the dead. So it was like November 1st or November 2nd. And I get this email and I've been on Ancestry for like ever. And I get this email from this woman and she says, this is going to sound strange. <laughs> she says, but I am a part of this group in Luxembourg who studies um, families who left Luxembourg and went to America. She says, someone in our group had a friend in a junkyard find a family portrait. And on the back, it had all the names of everybody in the photo. She said the only people, so they brought it to their organization and they did research. And she says, you and like my cousin are the only people we can find related to these people. And so we, it was really cool. And so on the back of the photo, it essentially says like my great grandfather's name. And it said before he goes to America. And it was just really cool because I felt so disconnected from that side of my family. So to have like this photo travel from a junkyard in Luxembourg and get to my inbox during the season of the dead was just like a very magical experience. So for me, a lot of my, and that's just one example, but for me, a lot of the fulfillment I've had in my practice is the connection to my family that we like lost in life because of separations or divorces or whatever. Like, so being able to kind of skip a few of the current generations and like reconnect with a family in that way has been like, really cool. And because I have a little bit of magic on both sides, like I've been able to really connect with like my ancestry in in a really cool way. 
That is freaking cool. It was really cool. And it and, and because it was like November 2nd, I was like, oh, season of the dead. And what a funny little from Luxembourg of all places. So tiny. It was so crazy. And then like um, we had photos of, you know, my great grandfather when he was older. So we were able to be like, yep, that's him just younger and thinner. <laughs> huh. And in a so junkyard? That's so wild. In a junkyard, a guy just found it. And uh, so that was really cool. And then, and the lady was cool. Apparently, she has a blog where she shares all her like research work. So she did like two blog posts on it. And it was just super cool to read. That's so neat. Yeah, it was, it was really neat. So yeah, just being able to connect with family, um, especially like my European side, because like, I look a lot like that side of the family, but knowing nobody is weird, you know? Um, so being able to, to connect to, to them through this like weird universal junkyard way was like really magical. <laughs> junkyard way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, but so it, it's been cool. I feel so much more connected to my family than I felt like I ever could feel if I weren't practicing witchcraft. What witchy thing do you geek out about? I love movies so i really really love like witch depictions in movies and i think it's really fun and neat and i think it's cool to like try to devise where certain things come from so i'm again big movie nerd uh so me and my friends will like watch like a classic movie and then pause it and be like, okay, so like this rule, where do we think that came from? You know? And so we'll try to like figure out like, when did this first show up in movies or then like, where is that stemming from historically? So uh, I'm a big movie nerd. Um, and I like to focus in on that sometimes. I have a question that is completely unrelated to anything that you just brought up because it's something I've been wondering. Okay, yeah. This whole blow cinnamon into your doorway thing. Oh, my God. What is that? It just randomly uh, popped up, and now everybody's acting like it's... Can I get... No, I'm, I'm, I'm about to get intense for a second. I'm very concerned about the way this information is traveling and the way this information is being so mindlessly believed in a time and culture where we have dealt with other information being mindlessly believed. And that has led to like bad things and scary things. And it's spooking me out that this information is traveling to people who otherwise wouldn't seek it out. And I'm freaked out by it, not by like the cinnamon thing, but like this, I'm, I'm kind of worried that like pop witchcraft is being, is going to be used in a way that is scary. You know what I mean? It's hard to explain. Yes, it was sudden that I was thinking about it when I wasn't speaking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Um, that's very, it scares me very much. And it scares me because I have um, found family who uh, are very, very Southern, very Baptist Southern, who are very country people who would not seek out this information, who are texting me about hearing these things. And it's, it scares me. Yeah. It spooks me because um, it's, not that that itself is scary, the cinnamon thing. It's the fact that this – that we're living in a world now where cre- content creators just need to create content 
and they know their best content is content they say is important or scary or rules. And then people who don't have the knowledge information or background to suss out what's dogma or or what's opinion or who can't tell, um, it freaks me out that there's like direct lines of like information. I don't know. It it just freaks me out. And so I don't know how to. Like, did Sharon just make this up and, and just make a TikTok about it, and now it's canon? That's kind of like what it it's, and that's what it feels like. Is I feel like the best content posts, you know, that these people feel, I guess, pressured to make. It's it does it gets its best numbers when it sounds super serious. Um, so they make it super serious, and then. People who don't know that it's not super serious um, interpret it as super serious. And that freaks me out. It freaks me out for how far that information is traveling and how quickly and who's picking up on it. <sighs> I know. It's weird. Me out. <laughs> it, uh, it, it, it's, and here's the thing is it wouldn't spook me if the past few years hadn't happened. Yeah. Okay, I can't go into that thought right now. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, I'll answer this, but it, we're about to get intense. <laughs> what are your thoughts on familiars? So this is actually the thing I woke up at 5 a.m. about, and I was like, I have feelings on this. Um, so I have a lot of feelings about familiars in terms of – this is one of those things I was talking about where – how I don't like information is just very fascinating. So I think your average witch has a incorrect idea of what familiars are. And I know incorrect is a very intense term. So many butts but, are hurting right now. <laughs> I know the butts, they hurt. Um, so the thing is, is that traditionally before, um, the you know Christians came and the you know fourteenth to seventeenth century European thing happened. Familiars were just familiar spirits, and they were just spirits which is connected to to help with their witchcraft. So it could be your dead aunt, your witch friend who died, but she you know connects with you to do witchcraft, right? And that's all it was. It, it wasn't. And could a familiar like reincarnate into your pet? Sure. Why not? Just, I mean, if you believe people can reincarnate into pets, then sure. Why can't your friend, witch reincarnate into your pet? Sure. You know, um, but that, so where the idea of pet familiars come from is actually from one of the first ever group, uh, group persecutions of witchcraft. And this happened in Orleans, France, where a group of clergy people, were put on trial for witchcraft. And it was a big deal because it was one of the first groups. Um, We had already had a woman put to death for witchcraft. We had already had our first witch hunt. So we had already had these firsts, but this was the first like group. So a lot of these firsts really dictated the stereotypes we have for witches, right? So the first person put to death was an unhoused woman. She had the haggard 
hag look. And that's why we still have that today. And so this group in Orleans, France, who were these clergy people who were found to be, you know, they were charged for witchcraft for whatever reason. A lot of what was going on at that particular event has since been stereotyped as being a witch thing. So the whole, you know, witches hurt children. That's from that event. Um, there was a black cat there that night. So these things get wrapped into their documents. And then we know that these documents at the time during like the European uh, witch hunts were mass produced and shared for other people to find witches, right? Or, um, you know, um, heretics. And I always say that word wrong. But um, heretics, heretics. Um, we understand the, the word you mean. It, it doesn't yeah. matter. Oh, good. Um, oh, my gosh. People love to tell me when I pronounce words wrong. Um, <laughs> so, of course, because this is the – like these images and stereotypes are getting wrapped into what to look for, right? When you're looking for a witch or someone consorting with the devil, of course, that's the information that like made its way to – Salem, Massachusetts. And then you have in the, a lot of court documents, well, I saw her turn into a cat or this or that. And so the idea of our pets being familiars really actually comes from the Christians. Whereas previously, it, a familiar was just a familiar spirit, a, a spirit you were familiar with. So I don't get wrapped up into the familiar thing. Hmm. That's not where I expected this to go, but I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like it tends to be a downer, so I tend to not bring it up unless someone asks. Oh, I don't think it is. Oh, cool. I think it's super interesting. <laughs> I, I think knowledge. it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing is that, um, you know, when we talk about like myths and myth, like myths and misinformation is that there are some people who will think it's interesting and some people who think you're a buzzkill. And you never quite know. They want to love their they want their cat to be special. Yeah, because you want to live the fantasy, and I get it. I like the fantasy too, you know. But I think well, I think real life's more interesting. I'm guessing since you work with spirits, I mean, I'm. It sounds like you do that. You do have familiars right now. Yeah, so I definitely have at least one um, familiar spirit who I've had. Um, I believe most of my life, I, he's definitely like a great, great, great grandfather and he likes to hang around. I do think he probably had similar abilities that I do because uh, he likes to like there have been situations where I'll be maybe like because I want to feel a part of something. I'll go to like a public seance or something or a public like witchy thing. And I'll, like, try to um, participate, and sometimes he'll, like, come to me and be like, yeah, let's not do that today and here right now. And I'll be like, all right. Mm. So he's, like, my little um, – oh, I don't want to say little. That's, like, infantilizing him. Um, but he is uh, really cool, and I feel really lucky that he hangs out with me because uh, he probably has a lot of great, great, great uh, grandchildren he could hang out with. So That's so neat. What a nice yeah. way to think about it. He's neat. <laughs> what would you say is the most surprising thing uh, that you found about being a witch? Um, I didn't. 
So this, okay. So this does come from the fact that like, I really started digging into like what a witch was at like 13, like 12, 13, 14. And I like really was, you know, small town, middle of nowhere in the South. So like the one book at the library, like it was very much a solo sport, you know? And, um, I will say I did not expect, uh, the social aspects of it. What would you say is the most surprising thing about the magazine? Oh gosh, that it's been seven years. I think like next August or something, we're going to be at like a hundred issues. Well, digital, like our traditional monthly issue will be a hundred. Yeah. That it's still going. It's so crazy. Just because I never expected it. If you could only recommend one book to a new witch, what would it be and why? Oh, oh, that's so hard because I feel like there's so many different things you want to touch on and no book does it all. Is it narcissistic to say my book? No. Okay. So I do think I did a decent job. <laughs> Had my book. Of course, it was written like five years ago. And um, there's maybe certain things I would put in there now or take out or whatever. But um, one of my favorite reviews I got on my book, which is uh, The Door to Witchcraft, it's been translated like, I think like four times. But one thing I I really loved is uh, I found primary sources for a lot of my history. And actual documents, I'm, I'm a big believer in not citing other witch books. Uh, because you're interpreting an already interpretation. And then I think one of my favorite reviews was like from someone who's a historian. And he was like, he was like, it's so crazy to see like accurate history in a witch book. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, That is cool. Yeah, it was nice. So I did put in a lot of um, effort into it. It's very simple, which is why I I think it's good. Um, I think it's a good book. Like I've had people say it makes the other beginner books make sense. So it's like if you've tried the other beginner books and they still feel a little confusing, um, I think my book takes it a little bit of a step backwards. Um, And I was also proud I really put my foot down with a lot of things like uh, my publisher had like this idea of like, well, you need to talk about th- how this is a thing. And I was like, okay, but there's actually no fact-based thing on that thing. So I won't talk about that because uh, <laughs> I think that is just lore. And there is lore that's important. Like candle color associations, that's at the end of the day, that's just lore and that's acceptable. But when, but when we're talking about um, history and facts, I don't use lore as um, a source. So there were things where I said, I cannot talk about this because there is no actual fact-based information on it. So I was very um, uh, proud of that. So I do think my book's a good place to start. But if I had to say not my book, I think um, – Margot Adler's Drawing Down the Moon is a wonderful foundation, foundational book. It's very dense. I actually pulled a little from your book when I was putting together my um, dream tincture. Oh, yay. <laughs> it work out? <laughs> is it okay? Yeah. It tastes okay. like I want to die, but it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The good stuff typically does. How would you say environment or would you say that environment shaped your practice? Do you think if you grew up somewhere else that it would be different? 
This is actually really fascinating because, um, yeah, okay, when I was five, five or six, my family was separated, so like split in half. So we lost all, all contact with them. Uh, but they – so we both grew up in the South. However, I was around my mother and not uh, this other person. And looking at them now and like how they've all turned out, we could not be polar opposites, like the two sides of the family. I'm talking super Christian, super maybe evangelical, um, literally could not be more polar opposite. So I do think there maybe is some environmental. I, I think I'm very lucky to um, have been with the, the part of the family that was, uh, you know, very um, whatever floats your boat. But I actually had had this conversation with um, my mom's best friend. And I said, you know, looking at how I could have been, I was like, isn't it crazy the thought that I could have been like super Christian, you know? And she was like, girl, you were never going to be a super Christian. She's like, I remember when you were three. <laughs> She's like, that just was never going to be it. So um, it's weird. So I guess it's the nature versus nurture thing. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's maybe both. Hmm. I don't know. But I've seen the other half of the family and um, the path that like they went and it is the could not be the most polar opposite to my life. I'm thinking about my own family. <laughs> I know. It's wild. This is such a thoughtful episode for me personally. What in the world? <laughs> <laughs> Your questions are so good. Yeah. But other, yeah, I know how I interpret the questions, but now yes. I'm, I always forget that other people's experience exists, which sounds stupid, but I can't explain no, my fair. brain. Yeah, that's fair. Actually, I have a patron question from Andrea. Oh, I know Andrea. Who's asking for a recipe? <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Like, what, like, what does she want? Do you suggest a recipe? She said you love food and you love talking about food and you love cooking and we <laughs> share a recipe. And I also love all of those things. Oh, my gosh. So just a recipe. Okay. Well, I have like a tip. That works. Um, so I love uh, French onion soup, but I will say most French onion soups call for white wine, which is fine. But if you want to make my French onion soup, use red wine, and I think it's better. They call for. I would think it would be made with red wine. Like no offense, Julia Child, but hmm. I've never made I, it. But I would think it would be. You would think. Um, no, so it's kind of like my little uh, tip. I like every fall I share with them this accidental pumpkin chili recipe I like mm. accidentally discovered. So we share that every fall. Is but, it yeah, or it was, chunked? Oh, pureed. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I chunk sweet potatoes into mine. <laughs> I, love, I love sweet potatoes. Dang it. And I'm intermittent fasting, and I'm not going to eat probably until probably two. Oh, no. I always get hungry <laughs> when I talk about food, and I love talking about food. Who or what would you say are the three biggest influences on your practice? First and foremost, in terms of, like, my early days of, like, a little 
13 year old witch. Um, probably my friend Fiona Horn. We had like a really cool thing where when I was starting the magazine, I remember really liking her as um, a young witch. And so I reached out to her and I was like, I want to interview you. I was such a fan of yours when I was young. And we like developed this really nice relationship. And I got to, um, I got to work with her on like, you know, one of her books. And it was really wonderful. And I had this moment where I'm, you know, living in New Orleans. I'm from a small country town and I'm, Fiona's valuing me, my, you know, valuing my opinion on her book. And I was like, if you told like 12 year old me who was stuck in the middle of nowhere, who, when I talked about moving, my friends would like make fun of me. Like, if you told me that I was here doing this right now, uh, I would be so shocked. And then I told this to Fiona. And Fiona told me, she's like, when you reached out to interview me, that's when I knew I had more to offer to the, like, the witch world. And so it's like we kind of had these like beautiful little circle moments together. So I really, um, I really just value her and her friendship. Magically, I would say my uh, familiar spirit, my um, great, great great, great grandfather who hangs out with me. Um, I think he, uh, is really impactful in my practice because I, I think we have similar practices and abilities. And then, and then for the third, maybe all of the really cool nineties fictional witches that like made the fantasy seem so alluring. I love that. <laughs> what would you tell somebody just starting out? If you meet anyone who claims to know, all the secrets, avoid them, and read a lot. I agree. Now, thinking about how much you experience you have compared to that beginner, go the opposite direction to somebody more experienced. What do you want to hear from them right now? Oh, like what would I ask them? Sure. Or what would you, yeah, sure. what would you want them to just volunteer to tell you? Oh, well, I will say, I think my advice to seasoned witches is to read all the books you read when you were starting, uh, because you'll see things you didn't see the first time. But what I would ask is, I think I would ask is what does it take to continue to grow your practice and your abilities past a point where you feel like you've got them under lock? You feel like that? Who feels like that? Oh, wait, what do you mean? You feel like you have it under lock? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I like know what my talent is and I know how to do it and I do it when I need it and I don't – that's it. I mean, I don't feel like I know everything, but I know how to like use my own abilities, you know? Hmm. Yeah, so I would ask like how do you continue to um, grow who would you like to see on this show answering these sorts of questions? Someone who I think is really thoughtful and really such a good soul. Um, my friend, uh, Kiki Dombrowski. Uh, and she's really interesting because she's a witch who has like her foot in the like paranormal community. So she's really fun because you'll be talking about like how she's been doing tarot for like 25 years and then she'll like talk about Bigfoot and it's just a blast and a half. That makes me happy. 
Yeah, That's I love fun. her so much. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to bring up or anything you wanted to ask me? Yeah, like what encouraged you to start your podcast? Oh, because I'm really nosy. Oh, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good that, – I mean, that is a good reason. Like, I feel like people aren't nosy enough. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, so I do have some stuff I'm working on. Um, I have a book that I am working on currently that's coming out next year uh, titled uh, TBD. <laughs> but it's a book on, like, magical systems and structures. Like, uh, as we talked about here, I uh, really love research and I like to learn a lot. And I've been paying a lot of attention to um, how different groups communicate and learn and are formed and the cultures around them. So I'm working on a book right now that really takes a look at those structures, not in a super like academic way, even though um, I work very hard to make sure things are actually correct, but looks at them more of here are how, here are the like most common structures. Here's how they work. Here are people who have done them. Here's what they warn against or loved. Uh, now let's help build your own magical group. And uh I, I'm just very excited. I'm like a third of the way through it. Uh, we, I also just had a book come out uh, as editor, uh, Raising Little Witchlings by Amanda Wilson, and it's a pagan parenting book. And we take a look at you know the research for current modern parenting, as well as how to navigate being magical parents with magical children and like fun exercises and things. I do want to give a shout out. She's not going to hear this, but I'm just so proud of her. And she tells me to stop. Um, but I'm so <laughs> proud. Uh, which way our fiction writer, uh, Miss Olive Blake, who has been writing for Which Way for many, many years, is now like a superstar and has like these New York Times bestselling books out. And she has like a series with Amazon coming out. And um, I'm so proud of her. And I just want, I don't know, read, like, read all of the stuff she's ever written. It's so good. And then my last thing, <laughs> I just like, I'm, I feel like I'm surrounded by such cool people. And I do have a planner coming out. The Hectic Witches Planner uh, for 2023 is now available in paperback and hard copy if you want to pick it up. Uh, I structured it how me, an obsessive planner, uh, likes to structure my stuff. Um, but it has fun little planting guides and like a little article for every month and like a ritual planner and uh, things like that. So definitely check it out. But um, I'm very, very, very lucky to be surrounded by such talented, cool people. And I think about that all the time. Um, and thank you, Andrea, for uh, recommending me for the podcast. She's so great. I like Andrea so much. Me too. <laughs> Now, at the end, I have two things that I don't give you ahead of time. And one of those things is, would you please recommend something to the listeners? doesn't have to be witchy. It can be anything. I love memoirs. They're my favorite type of book to read. So if I had to recommend any memoir, I would recommend Yes, Please by Amy Poehler. Ooh. Because it is the only book I'm able to quote as frequently and as passionately <laughs> as I do. And um, if you are maybe someone who didn't feel like you grew up with like a cool adult who could like share their life with you and give you some life lessons, 
um, I think she's a good aunt to choose. Everybody needs a good aunt. I try to be one. Yeah. Every, yeah, everyone does. And I think a lot of us, maybe if like we grew up in a culture where like that wasn't a thing, you know, I think it's really, in, yeah, we all need a, a cool aunt. And um, I like that I picked up her book when I did at the age I was. And I feel like I got my cool aunt moment with her. Yay. Her and the second thing is think of a story that you tend to tell when you get around people with whom you're very comfortable, like family or friends. And this story always comes up and you like to tell it. Please tell that story. Oh, okay. So this is another, uh, it is, this is witchy. This was actually during the same season of the dead as when I got that photo. So basically, um, I, I had a dream and it was one of those very intense dreams where you can feel everything. And it was really strange. And I go to this coffee shop here in new Orleans and in real life, I had had like a falling out with the owner, but I had to go there because I was doing a reading for a friend of a friend in the dream. So I go to the coffee shop and I see the friend in real life. I don't really know this person. Um, I'm doing the reading and I'm doing the reading based off of how the sun is coming through the window and hitting these metal shelves. That's how the shadow hits is how I'm giving this reading. And I gave this woman a reading and Later after I woke up, I told the mutual friend what the reading was. And she did tell me it was like very accurate to like the woman's life. But in the dream, I gave the reading and the coffee shop owner was there. The person who in real life I had had like a falling out with. And I'm like, I'm kind of a socially awkward person. So I was like, what do I do? Do I say hi? Do I hug her? Like, I didn't know what to do. So I was like very, uh, uh, uh. and then she told me, she's like, um, oh, I have someone coming in to give me a reading. And she says, the necromancers, the necromancers are coming and they're going to give me a reading. And I was like, oh, well, like this is my out, right? Because me and her have this falling out and I don't really want to talk to her. Um, and I think it's rude to kind of hang out when someone's getting a reading, so I was like, good opportunity for me to bounce, you know? So I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to go. And um, I go to leave and the necromancers come in, the people who she said were giving her a reading. And it was this older man. It was this, I say older, maybe like middle-aged man, this older, older, short woman. And then these two men who are maybe like in their 30s. And... At the time, I'm very bad with history. So any psychic thing that happens to me, I never quite know how to explain things because I, I'm not good at time periods and stuff. But I kind of recognized that what they were wearing was maybe like something you would see on like Little House on the Prairie, you know? And like they were very tanned. And like that's all I knew how to like explain what like, you know, what these um, people who the coffee shop owner had deemed necromancers looked like. And I go to leave because I, you know, it's rude. I need to go. And the woman, none of them say a word. 
But the woman looks at me and she puts her hands out and does like the motion for a hug. And I say, oh, okay. I don't know you, but I say, okay. So I give her a hug. And then one of the younger men next to her does the same thing. He's like, hug. Oh, okay. So I give him a hug. And then I look to like the second younger man and he does that like, oh, no, I don't want to hug gesture. And then I'm like, no, I, I don't want to hug either. Like, they made me the <laughs> I don't want to hug. And he was, he's like, no, I don't want to hug. And then the, like the main guy. So this was the guy who was like giving the reading. And, and you could tell he was the prominent guy. And he looks at me and he, and he puts his hands out. And he's like, hug. Like, give me a hug. And I did. And that moment where you could like know there's a spirit around because you feel this little shoot of energy go up and down your spine. Nope. Okay, so that's that happens sometimes. And it was so it was like that, but times a hundred. Like it was so intense I thought I was gonna faint. And it woke me up. And I was so confused about this dream. It was so intense. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I called my friend immediately and I was like, I did a reading for your friend with these shelves and um Shelves. Like, with the shelf. And she was like, no, that's everything going on in her life right now. And I was like, okay. And I was so I could not stop thinking about these people who like wanted hugs, except for the one who wanted hugs. And I could not stop thinking about it. Like I like I was so overwhelmed by that feeling from when I hugged uh the one man. And I go to my friend and I said, I had this dream. I can't shake it. I can't shake it. I can't shake it. And he says, and he goes, Tanya. And like, he, you know, he's one of my favorite friends because he's older and he likes to do the like, you know, you stupid young person, duh. Like, and I love that about him so much because sometimes you need it. And he was like, he's like, Tanya, he's like, that was an ancestor visit. They were coming to say hi. <laughs> and that's when I realized that, oh, the necromancers, like, Necromancers are people who communicate with spirits. That's what I do. These are my people who hang who hang around with me, and and you know, and they came to visit. And yeah, I realized that the guy was my great 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 like grandfather. Who You're familiar? Yeah, who hangs around with me? Yeah, he wanted like a more corporeal visit, I guess. That is so neat. It was really cool. And it is something I will never forget. It was an experience like I – like even just t- telling it, I, I I remember what it felt like. Like it was so intense. I, I will never forget that moment. Really, really cool because he's – from all of the time I've sp- I've spent with him as my like familiar spirit, um, he doesn't – he's not – he doesn't like poke around. You know what I mean? Like he's not intrusive and he doesn't demand a lot of attention. So he only steps in and around when he needs to. Um, so to have that moment was very, very cool. And it and it was the, around the same time I also got that photo of my other side of the family. So I was just having this like really ancestral like month, <laughs> like during that time period. That is so neat. Yeah, that's like one of my favorite little stories. It um, it just means like so much to me. It was such a special moment. I was skeeved until the moment where you realized who it was. <laughs> yeah, well, because like, but like in the dream, it definitely wasn't scary. It was just like, oh, like I feel awkward because I'm in this 
coffee shop with some, you know, who's owned by someone who, who I don't like, who doesn't like me. Like it just felt kind of awkward. And then like, like they're not speaking, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm assuming it's probably because they don't speak English. You know what I mean? Like we, oh, we, we, yeah. we probably wouldn't know, you know what I mean? Like each other's language. Um, because that side of my family wouldn't have spoken English. So like, I assume they weren't speaking because I wouldn't have understood like their language, but it was just like a really beautiful moment. And I, um, I get really warm and cozy when I get to share it with people. That's so cool. (laughs) Well, thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Good. I've never really gotten to do like something like this. So it's really cool. Okay. Then I will see you on the internet in the Facebook group. Bye. Once again, it's review time. This one says Kim had me on as a guest and was a great host. She also encouraged me to get my own podcast, Witchlit, off the ground. This is from past guest Victoria Rashke, who does have her own podcast. It is called The Witchlit Podcast. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and you can find her on Instagram at WitchlitPod. Thank you, Victoria. It was a pleasure to have you on, and I love that you started your podcast. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Your Average Witch. You can find us all around the internet on Instagram at Your Average Witch Podcast, Twitter at Average Witch Pod, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Your Average Witch Podcast, at Your Average Witch.com, and at your favorite podcast service. Want to help the podcast grow? Leave a review. You can review us on Amazon and Apple Podcasts, and now you can rate us on Spotify. You just might hear your review read at the end of the next episode. To rate Your Average Witch on Spotify, click the home key click on Your Average Witch podcast, and then leave a rating. You can also support the show by going to patreon.com slash cleverkimscurios. If you'd like to recommend someone for the podcast, like to be on it yourself, or if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, send an email to youraveragewitchpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the moon changes. (laughs) 